today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, it's uh, getting cold and uh, snowy right around southwestern Ontario, and uh, we've got an example of that this past weekend, uh, which uh, begs the question, what is going to be happening with the tent encampments? I know that in Hamilton they've had uh, a program underway over the last little while to try to find roofs to put people under over the next little while. It's a rather daunting task. Uh, the same process is happening in London. Uh, Sarah Campbell is uh, the executive director of the Arc Aid Mission, who are deeply involved in this, and she joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Uh, Sarah, good morning. Thank you so much for the time today. Hi, thanks for reaching out. What's the status? What's going on right now? Well, here in London, homelessness has been, uh, I would say, you know, kind of close to crisis for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not new, and it's not a COVID-related phenomenon that we're having uh, a really difficult time finding housing, affordable housing, and supportive housing, Uh here in the city and um you know obviously the solution to homelessness is housing and uh and that's a long term and it's a large investment uh solution what has happened during covid however is that as people are experiencing evictions and services are reduced by covid related protocols uh our most vulnerable are really struggling and so here in london we've seen people living right on the streets increase about a hundred percent in the last year uh and of course the cold weather comes on and you know all of a sudden they they come into view like oh well they, they've been there for nine ten months i've actually some of them have been there for years because of the situation why listen in, in your experience though sarah why do not why governments especially federal and provincial governments uh, where this money's supposed to come from why are they so slow to react to this I think it's because it's a complex problem. You know, if this was easy to solve, we would have solved it before COVID. You know, I I think that um, our communities have always been compassionate and and known that this is an issue. It's not easy. And the people that we're talking about, you know, I actually kind of do applaud the federal, provincial and municipal governments all around the province, because when COVID struck, there was an investment to support homeless folks. But for a long time, we've been talking about acuity or how serious is the person's experience of homelessness. And we've been focusing on the mid to high acuity people, meaning those that are most able to access services. Um, and this low acuity group, these people that need the most services, the people that were pushed out of mental health institutions in the past or um, require kind of 24-hour, seven-day-a-week group home or uh, more serious care. They need treatment for their addictions. They need both addiction and mental health treatment. These folks are really falling through the cracks. And during COVID, what was a gap in our services has become a crater. Well, and to be frank about it, we've, we've done a pretty crappy job over the years of looking after those people and uh, and, and even some of the facilities. Well, and I, you know, I, people know, of course, I was on city council in Hamilton for a number of years and I saw that firsthand because I always worked on the social services and public health committees. Uh, and I mean, some of those places, those facilities back in those days were, were very caring. Uh, some of them just say, here's your meds for the day, now go away and come back at supper time. Uh, and, and, you know, they're out on the street for the entire day. And, and it's it's problematic. And there were mental health issues that are at play here, too. I, I, I think I, you're absolutely right. I think there's a great deal of sympathy and empathy at the local level like this. But I, I think 
we need to bring everybody into the tent to say, okay, this is our problem. It's not a London problem. It's not a Windsor problem, a Hamilton problem. It's a Canadian problem that we have to work together on. And you're right. I think the government's now starting to realize that. Uh, those that have been doing this for a long time, Sarah, would remember that there was a time when the federal and provincial government basically gave up on affordable housing and said, that's not our problem. Well, it is. And, and they understand that now. And of course, you know, we just got an announcement last week from the prime minister and both Hamilton and London are going to benefit from that uh, money for startup and for housing. Uh, they said the money's going to be flowing shortly. So that's, that's a good first step. Well, and I think the question about affordable housing has to be asked. Affordable for who? Yeah. Because, you know, when incomes are at the ODSP and Ontario Works levels, affordable housing doesn't begin to meet those needs. And therein, therein lies the problem. It's, it's, it's a generic phrase, affordable housing. But uh, so many situations are different. What kind of housing are they building? Uh, and how fast they, can they construct it? And is it going to, uh, more importantly, and you touched on this a second ago, and I think that has to be part of the discussion, uh, are those who need services going to be able to uh, access those services? That has to be part of the discussion as well. Putting a roof over the head is always the best first step to get started, but that doesn't solve the problems. No, and I think that what we're seeing right now, particularly around eviction, um, is that when we say, here's your housing, that's one bucket. Here's your services, that's another bucket. Here's your community, that's a third bucket. When you do service provision in silos, what happens is gaps are created. And when, when a crisis hits like COVID and services are reduced, you know, it's the housing provider reacts with a housing provider lens and they, they evict people because they're not coping well in their housing. The person's not coping because the services have had to reduce service because of COVID and, and safety protocols. And, you know, could you just call me? Maybe instead of a physical check-in, they're doing a, an online or a telephone check-in. That's not adequate for that person to be sta- stably housed. And then when you add the community piece and we're saying you can't be with people, people's mental health and, and addiction issues soar. And then, of course, the tertiary Risks like, for example, overdose or dirty drugs um, can really skyrocket. And then we see people die like it's a pandemic on a pandemic in this case. You know, we have to have a better understanding of this, too. Uh, you know, this and I'm glad you brought up the idea about, about addiction because that, that is, is a problem that is really exacerbated by this. And we've seen some examples of that uh, in in cities right across the country in fact and and i know some people kind of just shake their heads and say well you know how'd they get addicted in the first place it's stress oftentimes it's stress uh it it could also be an addiction because of painkillers and things of this there's a number a hundred different reasons why that happens but when you're Mm -hmm. in stressful situations and even those of us who may be not part of the housing problem sarah our evidence of that as well. I mean, you've seen the statistics that since we've all been you know, housed up here and, and living in isolation because of COVID, you know, stay at home, stay at home, alcohol consumption is up considerably. We're all doing it. We just do it in different levels. Uh, and it's 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 a substance abuse situation that uh, that we need to deal with. And, and, you know, it's impacting these people at the same time. That stuff has to be addressed. It's and, and I don't know if that's part of the discussion. I know it is at the local level, but I'm not hearing a whole lot from the feds in the province about that. And that's very concerning, in my opinion. You know, I hear a lot about what we're trying to do in this COVID period, and even for our small organization, right, we're trying to meet the increased demand. Here at the ARC, we've seen, you know, up to 400% more people needing meals for us. Pre-COVID, we were about 60. Most recently in October, we had up to 230 people for dinner. And, um, you know, that's a lot of growth, and, and that's a lot of scrambling for a small organization to adjust and meet the need. 
Um, and so we're focused in this in this immediate C scenario. But if we don't take this crisis and what it's doing to us economically, what it's doing to us socially, the the real clarity that we see that these gaps, like I said, are becoming creators because of of the COVID situation, we're not going to set up the right kind of recovery. And so it is a real challenge to both address the immediate needs right now and be pushing for those systemic changes. And that's what we need our federal and provincial governments to be doing is, yes, fund the emergency Certainly we have to do something, and that's why our group today is meeting at 1 o'clock to see what can we do. Uh, It's really too late to be having that conversation. We're already in the crisis, but is there anything more that we can do together? Uh, And that's great for immediacy, but those bigger long-term strategies, they've got to be inclusive of our most vulnerable, whether that's our seniors, our people living with addictions and mental health, the people who are experiencing trauma. And, you know, what's happening right here during the time of COVID is the kind of stuff that leads to the trauma that people experience in childhood that leads to addiction and mental health and and the crisis that we see on the streets every day. You know, we, we need to not be blind to that. Our, our reaction to COVID needs to be measured and thinking about very holistically about our population and population health. I want you to address something that you're always going to hear, and I, I know we've heard it every time we've talked about this. Invariably, I'll get a, a tweet from somebody saying, look, you know, we're in a huge deficit situation here. Don't you understand that? We we can't afford to, to throw the kind of money at a problem like this that, uh, that, that the problem really demands. Uh, and maybe you could talk to us about uh, the cost of not doing enough. Well, I think, I, I mean, that's great, and I think that's exactly how I'd phrase it. What is the cost of not doing it? So the cost of not doing it, of keeping people on the streets, is exorbitant. Here in the City of London, we have a, a program called the Coordinated Informed Response Team, and they they move our homeless people along. They try to clean up neighborhoods and, you know, make things look nice and make sure that people are getting connected to services as much as possible. Um, but really, that's a multi-million dollar project every year that's only pushing the problem down the street. And when I think about that as a microcosm of all the other failures for these folks and the band-aids that we pay for to go over them, emergency rooms and um, police calls and, you know, just keep adding them up, the cost is exorbitant. And the cost to house somebody adequately um, is much, much cheaper. But we have to do it in smart ways. And it's things like investing in public housing and making sure we have community assets that we can leverage in times of crisis like this that meaningfully address real need. Not, and, and I think we have to be ever so careful to not do placeholder things. And I think that's what shelter and so on, you know, these are supposed to be emergency responses, but they've become our solutions. And that is not um, what a society needs to be progressing and moving forward and bringing people into being, you know, contributing members of society. We're losing a lot of productivity and community in the people that we're just keeping on the sidelines. Well, the analogy I always used when people would come at me like that is, is it's, it's like if you got a headache, you know, I can give you a Tylenol and that'll get rid of the headache for the time being, but you probably want to find out what's causing the headache. Uh, and, and we're not doing that. We're, we're, you know, we're medicating. We're giving a, a Tylenol the short-term solution, but we're not looking at the, at the root problem and addressing that or problems because well, it's multifaceted. Exactly. But it's so interesting because it's as simple and as complex as we make it. It's like you said, you know, the solution to homelessness is housing. We need homes. 
you know, but we, we can't give people homes without the supports around them for them to be successful. Uh, the solution to poverty is income. And I think it's so fascinating that we talked and talked and talked about basic income for years and COVID hits and all of a sudden we figure out what the number should be. It's $2,000 a month. You know, we were able to figure it out pretty fast when it was hitting the vast majority of people. And so I think we have to make sure that we're learning from this experience, this crisis, what should be part of a just and more equitable recovery and a different way of serving in our community. We can't let the status quo or the old ways be the new ways after after this COVID period. And, you know, let's face it, especially at the local level. I mean, if, if, if you don't invest in this, you're going to pay for it in other ways. Uh, you just talked about the fact, you know, there's going to be a, a huge increase in pressure on social services in the, in the city. Uh, there's going to be a huge increase in, in health care. Uh, emergency rooms are going to be jammed up, and we already know the problems that causes. Uh, and it, on and on it goes. Uh, you know, so we need to address that, and we have to look at that because, you know, it's, it's going to, come out of our pockets one way or another and i'd rather have a solution that's going to have a long-term benefit than to simply as you say you know bailing water out of a sinking ship because we're just not looking at the problems so and you're doing this compassionate and fair yeah exactly yeah that's our family members that's my aunt or your brother or your neighbor's um you know best friend from high school like these are people who have connections and and oftentimes we'll say well shouldn't their family and friends take care of it but we're talking about a level of complexity and challenge often that is beyond the local family's ability to just handle things. And I think, again, COVID showed us that because here we're supposed to be saying safe at home and these small social groups, you know, people can't open up in the same ways as they have in the past. And I think it's a really good example of we can't just put it on individuals to act. We have to act collectively to be compassionate to the people in our communities. And we have to understand who these people are. I mean, you know, the, the characterization that some people have is, well, these are just down and others. These are people that could have been professionals a year ago. You're just one, you know, layoff away from being in a, in a precarious situation. Uh, one, you know, personal injury away from not being able to, to, to draw an income anymore. And all of a sudden you're finding this. I mean, I, my brother was telling me this story a couple of years ago about a guy that he went to school with. This was a guy who was just a, a very bright individual, had a great future, got a university degree, was had a good job. He's homeless now. Uh, because he had some some problems, some psychological problems, didn't mm-hmm. get the proper help because the services weren't there, lost his job, lost his family, uh, and he's living on the street. And and it's tragic. But that's everybody that's that you're looking at right now. Everybody in one of those tent encampments has their own story, and and we need to be understanding about that and say, look, it, we've got to find some solutions here to try to help these people. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think when in a period of time where. Uh, everyone else has had a bit of a hand up. We we can't leave these people behind. Well, to, to that end, I, I, like I say, we talked about the federal money that's coming, and I know that London Council is very sympathetic to this, and they understand the gravity of the situation. Uh, them that's on the ground are the ones that understand exactly the impact it's having in the community, uh, and and we're only hoping that there's going to be a coordinated effort here, uh, and and making full use of, uh, by the way, of agencies like the ARC and others. We have a number of them in Hamilton. There's a number in Windsor and Toronto as well. Uh, that this is, has to be a prob- public and private sector enterprise. There have to be, uh, it has to be a team effort here to get this done i mean you know your agency and other agencies can supply an awful lot of the work that needs to be done and a lot of the services that are uh, are needed for these people at the same time but you know we all have to be on the same page and we all have to know what the left hand is doing and the right hand is doing 
Absolutely. And, and it's been my experience. I'm new here at the ARC. I became the executive director during COVID in May. And the first need that emerged was the need for showers and, and laundry facilities. And it was private donors. It was people from the um, private sector that are donating uh, their time and their efforts and builders and uh, electricians and plumbers to put those facilities in here at the ARC that are going to make a monumental difference for people living rough on on the streets and that partnership came together so quickly once the need was clearly identified and and their ask out uh, within a month we were able to really see the community come together to make this idea a reality and that's that's where agencies like yours that have such a, a, a big role to play and you do such a great job identifying a certain situation or a certain need and saying this is what we need help with and the community can respond to that this is not a generic hey anybody that can help uh, you know, you, you like that sort of an attitude, but, uh, you know, hey, we need we need plumbing work, uh, uh, at these facilities. We need somebody who can fix that. We need somebody else. Uh, there's a, a shelter down in the States that uh, identified uh, a need in the community. And they said, you know what we need? Men, it, it was a men's shelter. We need socks. Men always, it, oh, and they found a supplier, that, actually a guy that, that made these things, and, and he's donating these things. On a regular, he said, I didn't know until you asked me. Uh, so that the communication has to be a, a big part of this. Yeah, and, our, and we know that our community, like you said, is compassionate at that local level. Really, they are. And together we can do more. And I think similar to how COVID was able to bring out, you know, nurses in retirement and other people to help us in this sort of emergency situation around uh, health care, I think we're, what we're talking about here in the city about a collaborative effort and asking the community, you know, it's not all professionalized services, but wherever there are people who have worked in homelessness before or have an expertise in mental health and addiction, we need those folks to put their hand up, whether it's as a volunteer or as uh, potential staff people, to help us make whatever collaborative solutions we can come to reality. Because I know that our system right now, particularly around homelessness in London, is strapped in terms of staffing. And so it will take a village, it will take our whole community to solve this or to work together to at least alleviate the pain that is around us. Um, when it comes to homelessness this winter. Sarah, good luck at the meeting this afternoon. Hopefully uh, we can get some folks on side with our conversation today and understand uh, that everybody has a role to play in this. Uh, let's stay in touch. Thanks for this. Thank you so much. Sarah Campbell, Executive Director for Arcade Mission, uh, dealing with the uh, homelessness problem in their city, of course, in London, Ontario. And we have one in Hamilton. There's Windsor. There's a number of agencies right now that are doing this. But uh, they need public support and community support for this. So let's keep that in mind. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.